0: Today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, a deeper look at the days of Noah and how they impact us today.
1: A.W. Tozer, the theologian, said this, What comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. Question, what comes into your mind when you think of God? Do you think of God as good and kind and loving and wise and perfect? Or is God a mean kid on an anthill? Is that God? What do you think about when you think about God? There is
0: you live on planet Earth, you surely have heard about the great worldwide flood back in the days of Noah, right? God sent a flood to destroy all mankind, except Noah and his family. But why would a loving God destroy all these people? Is that the kind of God we think about when we think about God? Isn't that a popular question? Well, today on From His Heart, Pastor Jeff Shreve continues his powerful series, The Days of Noah, with a message that helps us better understand the nature of God. And Pastor, before you begin today's lesson called The King at the Flood, give us a bit of a preview about the lesson.
1: The the title King at the Flood came from uh, the scripture verse in Psalm 29, where it says, The Lord sat as King at the Flood. Yes, the Lord sits as King forever. And the emphasis of the message, King at the Flood, is to show that God is in charge. He is sovereign and he's in charge. And God is love, infinite love. But God is also holy. And God's holiness says justice is going to be served. And all that's left, if you blow off God's love and grace and mercy, all that's left, therefore, is judgment. And God is a holy God. And God does hold us accountable for our actions And that antediluvian world found that out in a very difficult way.
0: Well, then it is important for us today to know more about the true nature of our sovereign God who can't let sin get a pass. Let's get started. Open your Bible to the seventh chapter of the book of Genesis. Here's Pastor Jeff with a message entitled, The King at the Flood.
1: If you have your Bible, please turn to Genesis chapter 7. We're in a series called The Days of Noah. And we've been looking at what the Bible has to say about this guy Noah and the days in which we lived. And we've said how important these days are because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And so if you want to know what the coming days are going to be like, just go back to see what the days were like days before God destroyed the world with a flood. Now we have looked at the wickedness of the world in the first sermon in this series. And then we talked about Noah and how Noah was a man just like you and me, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and responded to God's grace, and then we talked about the ark and what that ship uh, or that box was like. It was basically a big box shaped like a coffin, and it was uh, there to provide salvation. a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, and today we want to look at what does the story of Noah, what does it teach us about God and how God rules and reigns? Lots of people have trouble with God. They don't like the way God does things. They think God doesn't do right. Atheists and scoffers and mockers and people who have a bent against God, for whatever reason, well, they love to jump on the Genesis story, on the flood story, and say, you know, if you Christians believe that God brought a flood. First of all, they think it's all you know just a fairy tale. But if you really believe that, then you have to conclude that God is a genocidal maniac because he wiped out the whole world, 7 billion people, as some have estimated. He wiped them out just like that. And as one man said, the flood is an atrocity of the highest order. It is mass murder on a global planet. Scale. And so he rejected the whole idea of God because if the Bible is true, then God is the worst character. As Richard Dawkins, the atheist, said, God is the worst character in all of fiction, the God of the Old Testament. So we we struggle sometimes with, okay, God is love and God is good and God is kind, but then God brings total devastation and total destruction, and sometimes we have a little difficulty with this. You know, you you take it to the nth degree, and it's like, uh, I can't stand the whole concept of God because of this. and. Hopefully, not very many in this audience are like that, but there might be some, and there might be some watching on television, listening on radio, watching online, and that's where you are. You're just so angry at God, you hate God, and, and you don't even believe in God, yet you're angry and you hate the concept of God. Well, that's the extreme. Others are just kind of angry at God because stuff isn't happening right. So therefore, God must be mean, cruel, capricious, and evil. That's what some people believe about God. Now, A.W. Tozer, the theologian, said this, what comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think of God? Question, what comes into your mind when you think of God? Do you think of God as good and kind and loving and wise and perfect Or is God a mean kid on an anthill? Does God sit on a throne of judgment with a scowl on his face, a bag of thunderbolts in one hand, and a big billy club in the other? Is that God? What do you think about when you think about God? Now, sadly, many people believe the thunderbolts and the billy club and the scowl. And they often go to the story of the flood to show and to be their proof text that God is indeed a genocidal maniac. Genesis chapter seven, I'll begin reading in verse one. Then the Lord, Yahweh, said to Noah, enter the ark, you and all your household. The ark is now built. It's been 120 years since God commissioned Noah to make the ark. You and all your household. For you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens, a male and his female, and of the animals that are not clean too, a male and his female, also of the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened. Verse 17. Then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth and the water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water and the water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. The water prevailed 15 cubits higher and the mountains were covered and all flesh that moved on the earth perished. Birds, and cattle, and beasts, and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth, and all mankind, all of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, died. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth. And only Noah was left, together with those that were with him in the ark and the water prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Wow, a story of mass devastation. God did it with a flood. So what what do we learn about God when we read about the flood? You know, the scripture says in Psalm 29, verse 10, the Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. He was king at the flood. He is king forever. So what do we learn about the king, especially in this horrific story of judgment? Four important discoveries. Discovery number one, God is the sovereign king. He's the sovereign king. First Timothy chapter six and verse 15 says that God is the blessed and only sovereign the king of kings and lord of lords. Sovereign. You say, we don't really use that word all that much in our uh, just daily vernacular. Sovereign. So what does it mean to be sovereign? It means that God is the supreme ruler who has all power and all authority. That's what it means to be the sovereign king. He's the blessed and only sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords. There are other kings, but he's the king of kings. There are other lords, but he's the Lord of lords. He is the sovereign with all power and all authority. And this world belongs to him. Psalm 24, verse one, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains it belongs to God. He's king of the universe. Now, one of the things that the Bible's really clear about. And that's really, really important. If you want to be a person who has a modicum of wisdom, a modicum of knowledge, you have to understand the fear of the Lord. That's why the Bible says that's, that's the ABCs of life. That's the elementary things of life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But now, if you're going to be a person who is going to be wise and going to be knowledgeable, then you have to understand who God is. He's the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what the fear of the Lord is. We sang uh, just a minute ago that we stand in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. That's the fear of the Lord, because God, you're God. You spoke the worlds into existence. You know, as one preacher said, universes just drip off his fingertips. That is God. I stand in awe of God and I recognize who he is and I recognize who I am. I am nothing compared to God. You want to do something fun? Go home today and read Isaiah 40 and read about the greatness of God. The scripture says in Isaiah 40 that all the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless because God is so great. The blessed and only sovereign. Now, as sovereign, it says that God can do whatever he wants. Look at Psalm 135, verses 5 and 6. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deeps. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Like I said, he doesn't have to check with anybody. He just does whatever he pleases. Now, when God saw in Genesis 6 that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, God sighed a great sigh. He was sorry in his heart and he was grieved. And he said, now destruction has to come. He didn't want to destroy. That didn't please God to bring the flood. But God was forced to bring the flood because mankind was irredeemable at this point. And so God says, I'm going to destroy man from the face of the earth. I'm going to blot him out. I'm going to the Blot out means that it's ta- like taking ink off of paper. It's not like a racing pencil on paper where you can still see, oh, there was something there. He is going to blot man out. He is going to take man off the page. And you're not going to see any, any evidence or remnants of man. He's just gone, that wicked civilization. That's why I think when you talk about seven billion people, it's like, wouldn't we find like bones everywhere of seven billion men and women and boys and girls who were perished in the flood? God blotted them out. God lifted them off. He took them away. And so God says he's going to do that. And then he says to Noah that he's going to do it. And then he says in Genesis chapter six, verse 17, I, even I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life. And then he says in Genesis chapter seven, verse four, for after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth and I will blot out from the face of the land, every living thing that I've made. And then he says it again in verse 21 and all flesh that moved on the earth the birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind of all that was on the dry land and whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life died. Verse 23, thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land. He says he was gonna do it and he did it. Why? Because he's sovereign God and he can do whatever he wants to do. But now here's something important to remember listen god doesn't want to judge god didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world although that would have been right to do he sent his son into the world to save the world he sent his son into the world to die for the world god is a good god that is important when you look at the sovereignty of god yes he does whatever he pleases but whatever he pleases always comes out of a heart that is good and a heart that is love. What blasphemy, as these atheistic, scoffing websites say when they try and compare Hitler with God and say, Hitler destroyed six million Jews, God wipes out whole races of people. They're on par with one another. How blasphemous is that? Truly, he is good. Truly, his loving kindness is everlasting. And, and, and remember this about God. It not only is the supreme ruler with all power and all authority, but he is the supreme ruler who will never be overthrown. He is always going to be king. Psalm 29, verse 10, the Lord sat as king at the flood. The Lord sits as king forever, forever. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. He will always be God. He will always be king. He will always be the sovereign. You know who challenged God on that? An angel named Lucifer. Mighty angel, the mightiest angel God ever created, and he came up against God, got a third of the angels to come with him. We're going to topple God. He said in his heart, in Isaiah 14, I will be like the most high God. I am tired of being number two. I'm gonna be number one. And he came up against God to dethrone God, How'd that go for you, Lucifer? Well, it didn't go very well, because God booted him out. And Lucifer, the most beautiful angel, the star of the morning, became Satan, the father of the night. And all those beautiful angels that joined him in rebellion, they became dirty, filthy, hairy demons. You're never going to dethrone God. You're never going to somehow say, well, I'm toppling you because I don't want to obey you. And that is at the heart of sin. Every sin that is ever committed at the heart of that sin is the very first temptation in the Garden of Eden. You eat of this fruit and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You won't need God. You can be your own God. That was the heart of Lucifer. I will be like the most high God. That's what he tempts people. Hey, you can be your own God. And Jesus, he capitalized and and expounded on this feeling that people have, this this, uh, heart of sin that people have wanting to be their own God. When in Luke chapter 19, he told the story about a nobleman who went away to a distant country to receive a kingdom and then come back. And it says, but his citizens hated him. And while he was away, they sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Well, tough toenails, because this man is going to reign over you because he's the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords. And in that same parable in Luke 19, when the king comes back with his kingdom... He said, and those enemies of mine who did not want me to rule over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. He's the king. He is sovereign. Truly, he is good. Truly, his loving kindness is everlasting. But you go up against the king and you're not going to like the results. God is the sovereign king. That's what we learn about God. He can do whatever he wants. Hey, it, it, does the potter, the scripture says in Romans 9, does not the potter have a right over the clay? Yeah, he's creator, sustainer, he's everything. He's the judge, he's everything. So he has a right to do whatever he wants to do. Second discovery, not only is God the sovereign king, but God is the righteous king. And this comes out in the flood story, God's righteousness. Because the scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And he preached for 120 years about the righteousness of God and the standards of God in the midst of a world gone wicked where every intent of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually and God looked down and the world was filled with violence and vice and moral corruption and Noah preached righteousness. Why? Because God is a righteous king. God, we read about in the scripture, is holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Two pictures, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, of the throne room of God. And when we go in Isaiah chapter six and we see the throne room of God, we see the angels who are before the throne, the seraphim, with six wings, with two they cover their face, and with two they cover their feet, and with two they fly, and they call back to one another and they say these words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's Isaiah chapter six. John is called up and caught up in the spirit and taken to heaven in Revelation chapter four. And he saw four living creatures before the throne with six uh, wings and eyes all about. And uh, he said uh, day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the the Lord God, the the one who was and who is and who is to come. That's what is said around God's throne. Now we know because the scripture says, first John chapter four, verse eight, that God is love. God is love, and that's a wonderful thing, and that is true that God is love. But the angels don't say at the throne, loving, loving, loving is the Lord of hosts. They say holy, holy, holy. To be holy means you're sacred. You're set apart. You're totally different than everything else. You are total moral perfection. That is God. He is holy, holy, holy. He is righteous, God, Deuteronomy chapter 32, it's the song of Moses. I want you to see how wonderful this is about God. It says, give ear, O heavens, and let me speak and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass and as the showers on the herb. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, the name of Yahweh, L-O-R-D in all caps is always Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. That's God. Without injustice. Now, these people, these mockers, and these scoffers, and these disbelievers, they want to dump injustice upon God for what he did in Genesis chapter 7. Hey, God is the God who is morally perfect. And isn't it it just floors me? Because the scripture says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. And these people that don't believe in God, yet they they call God a sinner on the plane of Hitler. Hitler. And they say, that's that's your God, a genocidal maniac. And they're sitting here with a heart filled with foolishness and selfishness and wickedness and sin and violence. And they have the audacity to say that to God and to, to call God out in that way. Hey, God is the, the holy, holy, holy God. He is the righteous king and he does everything right. He doesn't do things wrong. He does everything right.
0: Today's lesson is from Pastor Jeff Shreve's timely series, The Days of Noah, and as he's taught, the Bible says, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. How close are we to those days today? Well, pretty close. And Pastor Jeff explains the similarities and then sounds the loud alarm again of God's warning to a world deaf to the call for repentance in his extraordinary and timely series, the days of noah and this series is one of our gifts for your support to this outreach this month of any amount the other is the booklet strong faith for tough times when the impossible meets god to get the series and the booklet simply call 86640bible 86640bible or make your donation online at fromhisheart.org you can get the series in the format of your choice Well, that's all for today. I'm Larry Nobles, trusting that you'll be here Friday for part two of The King at the Flood. That's next time, right here on From His Heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember that no matter what, God loves you, and He has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more about that. Go to fromhisheart.org.